But hey, my name is David Skenbury. I get the joy of being on team here at New Life. And, and my role is quite simple. I look after communities. My role is to try and, I like to call it healthy Jesus communities. My role is that through both the Sundays and through midweek, we can have a beautiful, intimate community of people who look and love like Jesus. Right? That's exciting. If you're interested in what that might mean for you, come and chat to me after. I'd love to grab a coffee with you. But today we're going to be looking at Matthew. We're going to look at chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 9. If you, ha- if you have your Bibles, turn there. But we are currently in a series on prayer. Maybe in this room you think to yourself, prayer. Right. Doing that one since Sunday school. Been doing that one since every single meal ever. Right? Prayer. I don't need that. You close your eyes, you bow your heads, nice and simple, amen, nailed it, right? Like we know how to pray. It's not difficult. And that's true. Prayer isn't difficult. It's none of those things. It's just talking to God. It's not complicated and it's not hard. But the truth and fact of the matter is we have seen in scriptures that prayer is a powerful device of God to transform lives and transform a world. And I'm wondering whether our prayers today are seeing that same reality happen. So I asked today whether as a church we would lean in, we'd participate, um, whether we would replace the pursuit of information, and this is cheesy, but with a pursuit of information. What, what I mean by that is real simple, that our agenda today wouldn't be to know more about him, but to know him more. That's the agenda of prayer. How do we pray? See, Jesus was a man who every time he prayed, think about this, when Jesus prayed, his prayers seemed more like magical spells than they did prayer. Was he magical? I don't know. Like, here's the thing, every time he prayed, it seemed to work. He was a man whose miraculous ministry had left pharmacies, skincare clinics, and hospitals at a loss for patients. Uh, patients. Was he a wizard? I don't know. He was a man who seemed to be at peace, even under threat, under betrayal, abandonment, and public slander. How? A man who was so confident in his walk and fellowship with the Father that he shaped his life around that reality. Why? And as we ask these questions, as we see the reality of Christ's life, we can see the pressing nature when the disciples came up to him and said, Lord, teach us how to pray. How do you pray? We can begin to see why was this such a pressing question for them to ask. Jesus, we've seen the reality of your life. How do you pray? Teach us how. You know, today in our secular culture, I think we live in a, in a culture that's quite similar to pre-Jesus Israel. What I mean is this, and like, I'm not, I'm not attacking or anything. This is me as well. But I think so often our prayers can just be done uh, out of this sense of we ought to pray or we need to pray. You know, it's like a duty, a religious obligation. Sometimes we pray because there's a circle of people and everyone in the circle has to pray. And so you know you're going to have to pray in a minute. So the whole time they're praying, you're thinking about what you're going to say. And so you're there like, if I start by saying, yeah, that's good, then it gets to you, you do your speech because that's what it is. And then you finish praying and then they finish praying. And the whole time they're praying, you're thinking, how did I go? Was that good? I like that. You know what I mean? Like so often our prayers today are just slightly different to the way Jesus prayed. But I'm wondering if we as a church, if we as New Life, if we as New Life Kulangata can learn to pray like Jesus did. I'm wondering if we as a a community and a family can become the kind of people who pray different. So we, as a church, for the next five weeks, we're going to follow in the footsteps of the disciples. We're going to turn to Jesus. 
And we're going to cry out, Jesus, as a community, not just the preacher, as a community, we're going to cry out, Jesus, would you teach us how to pray? Would you teach us how you pray? If you know your scriptures or if you've already flicked there in your Bibles, you'll see Jesus' reply to this question in Matthew 6, verse 9. It says this, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Today as a church, we're leaning in and asking that very question. Lord, would you teach us how to pray? Why don't we pray and ask him? Father God, I thank you that you're in the room. Lord, I thank you that you're still in hearts. You're softening the hardness. But today is not another Sunday. Today is not another church service. Today is not another uh, rote movement in the life of, of new life. What this is is a moment you want to intervene and teach us something fresh and beautiful about your character and presence in this room. That Jesus, we are not here to, to, to just receive information and get smarter so we can be a better looking Christian in the world. But we're here to know and intimately get to know you, our Father, and be known by you, our Father, to know your love and be filled with your love. And so I pray, my God, in this room, that we may be softened, that we may be hungry, and that you would teach us how to better come before you, how to better pray, a better way to do relationship with you. That we praise you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. If you've ever had one of those moments, uh, I don't know if anyone here is a daydreamer. I'm a daydreamer, right? Like in class, you'd find me doodling. Like, you know, just like, no, 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 staring out the window. My teachers would always call me out. I'm a, I'm a daydreamer. Anyone else here ever have a moment where they're daydreaming? Maybe you're concentrating real hard, trying to get something done, and you've totally forgotten yourself, right? You're just lost in that moment. And you know, your tongue's hanging out your mouth. You're probably muttering to yourself. you probably got the weirdest posture in the world. And then suddenly, you remember yourself. And your immediate pang of fear is like, left, right, did anybody, was anybody looking? Did anybody see me? I looked crazy, right? Maybe the introverts in the room will go, yeah, we get that. And the extroverts in the room go, no, 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 that's fine. <laughs> I don't mind people looking at me. You know, but here's the thing. Let me, let me explain. I'm a talker. I like to talk. If you don't know me, let me tell you, I like to talk. In fact, if the room is empty and there's no one else there, I'll still be talking just to myself. It's a real problem. Here's the thing. The other day, like literally like a week and a half ago, I was pulling my washing out of my washing machine. Um, and my washing machine is like on the floor. My tumble dryer is above it, right? And here's the thing. I'm pulling my washing out. And this is a permanent battle. I wage war with my washing. I think to myself, and everyone, you guys, I'll just be like, you're crazy, David. It's not, not that complicated. Get over yourself. I agree. But here's the thing. I'm in permanent war with my washing because I don't think it, would be, it should be that hard for all my washing to come out in one, one single go and go into my tumble dryer. Why should 15 socks fall on the floor? Like, why can't they just all come out and go into... I just think to my... Come on, man. And so here I am, trying to pull my washing out, and I'm literally sweet-talking it. Like, I'm just sitting there like, come on, buddy. I love you. You love me. Come on, we're friends. You're the closest thing to me. You know, I wear you every day. You know, come on, get out of here. Get in that. You know, I'm just trying to... I'm, I'm literally trying to build relational rapport with a load of laundry and, and, and his craziness. And I'm pulling them out, and I put it in. And there was this moment as I put it in, and yes, four socks fell on the floor, and I was very frustrated. But there was this moment where I was like, 
oh my goodness. I'm so glad my housemates aren't in because I look nuts, right? And so, so like, it's crazy. Like, have, you, have, you, have you ever wondered, stopped and considered in those moments what you're talking to? It's nuts. In fact, the only reason I think it's not crazy, and, and I, I'm going to be real here, I think the difference between crazy and uncrazy here, and maybe this is just how I justify it for myself, right? But the reason I don't think it's crazy is because I'm not really talking to the washing. It ain't about the washing, it's about me speaking, right? I'm not really, like, if my washing replied, I'd be terrified, right? You imagine it. I'm like, come on, buddy, you can do it. Okay. You know, I'd be freaking out. I'd be, I would never wear it again. So here's the thing. Uh, we, we, we ain't talking in the hope that it would reply. Maybe that's why we talk to it, because it ain't going to answer back, right? Like, here's the thing. We, we ain't talking hoping it would reply. We're just talking. We're just talking. And I wonder sometimes if our prayer lives can be something like that. I wonder sometimes if our prayer lives could be more about us talking. And it could be more like us talking to a brick wall or a, or a load of washing than building relational love and intimacy with a father who can answer back, who can reply, who does have space and presence in our lives to move. What I'm hoping that we might do today, what I'm hoping that we might experience today is how Jesus begins prayer and that we may be moved as a church to open our hearts and say, "Uh, Jesus, I'm coming before you when I pray. Father God, I'm remembering it's you I'm speaking to when I pray, that we may become a people who anticipate the relationship we have with God and anticipate a witnessing of his power and reality in our lives because that's who he is that we might forfeit counterfeit prayers today, that we may become a church that chooses to pray different, that chooses to pray powerfully, that chooses to pray like Jesus. Scripture says he heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. Who? The God of the universe. It says he determines the number of the stars and he calls them each by name. Who? The God of the universe. It says, great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limits. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven. Our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. How does Jesus pray different? Jesus begins his prayers with the who we're praying to. Jesus begins his prayers with the who He's praying too. Jesus' prayers begin with a confidence in the person he's speaking with. That's a big deal, friends. Here's what I want to point out. 2,000 years can do a lot to diminish shock value. Okay? This is important. 2,000 years does a lot to, to damage our shock. You, ever, like, you remember your favorite movie? Do you remember the first time you watched your favorite movie? Do you remember that like twist and turn, Luke, I am your father, you know, that twist and turn that comes out and you were like, I did not see that coming. Hot diggity, that shocks me. You know, and then you watch it again and you're like, yeah, I knew it was coming. It still got me. It's still good. And you watch it again. And then you watch it again. And by, you know, if you went and watched it today, you'd be like, yeah, I know what's happened. I know this whole movie. I know every line, right? It doesn't shock you anymore. Imagine watching the same movie for 2,000 years. I'm going to tell you right now, 2,000 years does a lot to diminish shock value. 2,000 years ago, the first two words of this prayer, our Father, 2,000 years ago, the first two words of this prayer were enough to shock a culture. See, when we start praying with God in mind, 
When we start praying in relationship with him, things begin to happen. Life begins to flow. And this is what Jesus is saying. He's saying, when you start your prayers, would you look to God? Would you turn your eyes? Would you, would you look to God? And would you see a father? Would you, would you see a father? See, this prayer opens by challenging the very notion of how we pray. Who do we talk to when we open our mouths to pray? What are we considering when we start our prayers? I was thinking about this for myself, and I was thinking so often I just know I need to pray because I'm going through something, I'm feeling something, it's the beginning of the day, and if I don't pray, well, I'm, I'm robbing myself, so I just start praying, right? So I sit before God, and I was like, God, oh man, you know, I just start praying. But I realized as I, was, as I was writing this sermon that so many of my prayers start with a concern for my words, start with a concern for my concerns, start with attention given to my meanness, and scarcely ever do my prayers begin with attention to the Father I'm talking to? And I was like, whoa, who are we talking to when we start to pray? Is it an empty room? Is it, are you talking to your nice sentences? Are you trying to be a poet in that room? Are you talking to yourselves, trying to encourage yourself, give yourself a pep talk? Are you praying out loud to other people who might hear? Perhaps you are considering God, but you're considering a cold and angry God or a distant creator. Who do we pray to? Genuinely, honestly, when we reflect on how we pray. Jesus says we start praying by saying, our Father. Now, I can understand if Jesus said, start praying by praying, my Father. You know, like, it's Jesus's. Like, like, like if we simply approach Jesus's Father. I, that would make sense to me. You know, when you pray, start by praying, Jesus's Father. That, to me, I'd be like, I get that. You know when you're kids and you have like that friend's house that's home base and their fridge is your fridge? Right? Maybe that's your house. Maybe you're the home base. But like, you know when you're kids, you have the, that home base and you go in. Their parents are like the embodiment of hospitality on display. And you're just like, yes. You know what I mean? Like that household. Right? Like, like the problem is you're still leeching off of their relationship with their parents. No matter how open the fridge is. No matter how nice the parents are. You're still feeding, you're still leeching off of that kid's relationship with their parents. But the profundity of this moment is that it's not Jesus inviting us to become friends with his father. It's Jesus saying, come into my home. Come into my family. Come and have the same relational equity with God that I enjoy. Come and bank on the same promises that I bank on. Approach with the same confidence I approach with. Friend, Jesus is declaring that we are each, that we are each. No, no, no. You know you're going to easily just transition this to your neighbor. No, no, hear me. This is for you. Jesus is declaring that we are each someone that God actively calls his child. He says, and this is, this is a Jesus prayer. See, a Jesus prayer starts by saying, would you acknowledge the reality of your situation in prayer? Would you acknowledge the reality of your situation in prayer? See, when we start praying, we got to start praying with reality in mind. What does it mean to start prayer with a father as his child? What does that mean? In simple, it's real short. Are you ready for it? It's to start a prayer with the confidence that he cares, that he cares. Friends, he cares. 
He cares about our struggles. He cares about our issues. He cares about our words. He cares about our failings. He cares about our hopes, and he cares about our dreams. He cares about us, his children. So when we start praying proper, we can begin to reveal our desperation in the confidence that he cares. When we know we can trust our Father with our brokenness, with our heart, with our failures, with our struggles, with our insecurities, we begin to pray different. You see, Jesus isn't looking for a performance. He's looking for his children. Will we remember that when we pray? Can we remember when we come before God desperation on display because we trust him, that he can have it, that we can release it, that he is a father? How do we pray different? We begin by praying to a father. We begin by praying to a father as his child. We begin by praying to a father knowing he cares. And we press on in the confidence that he is mighty. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name, right? And we begin with the certainty that God cares and press on with the, with the confidence that he is able to care. He doesn't just, like, like, like we all, you know, many of us have people in our lives that care for us. My friends, if you're in this room and I said that and you're like, I don't know anyone who cares for me, join our community, find a community here, we care for you. But here's the thing, we all have people in our life that care for us. What makes praying different? He, he doesn't just care. He is able to care. He is able to care. See, Jesus' prayers begin with relationship. They begin by acknowledging the truth in our prayers that our God is a father. He is interested. He is able to care. He is mighty. Begin our prayers with God the Father in mind. And we remember that this father isn't the same as our worldly fathers, right? He isn't lost in the same mess we're in, drowning in the same cesspool we're drowning in. How do we pray? We remember that he is a father in heaven. A heavenly father, set apart, distant, above, in power and might. He is a heavenly father, venturing from his safety, from his abode of brilliance and beauty to be involved in our mess. See, he's able to, be, he's able to care. He wants to care, and he is able. And so when we pray, we begin praying. Jesus says, begin praying by making a declaration of his holiness. What do he say? Hallowed be your name. Right? Maybe you don't know what hallowed means. That's cool. It means holy. Nice. Maybe you don't know what holy means. It means this. It means, and it's a word exclusively used to describe God and anyone trying to image God. And here's what it means. It means to be unique or set apart in your life-bringing and powerful goodness. See, that changes the shape of the prayer. Lord God, our Father, situated above my brokenness and my mess, my God in heaven, you who are uniquely life-bringing, uniquely powerful, uniquely good, and you are that to me today. See, Jesus says, open the prayers with a declaration, a declaration, a statement to your heart and to the world that God is holy, and it's not up for debate. We're praying to a God who is holy. Don't let it be a question. Let it be a statement. Let it be a declaration. 
That'd be something we believe and we bank on. King David in the Psalms, throughout all of them, we see these situations where he is going through literally the turmoil of hell itself, like thousands of people coming up against him. And he starts these prayers utterly wounded and defeated. And halfway through his prayers, there's this jarring, pivoting statement where he turns to God and says, but I will not forget who you are. But Lord, I remember who you are. But Lord, I know your name and I will bank on it. You are a fortress, a safe place, a shield, a sword. You are my foundation, my protection. You are my God. And you immediately see how that changes his perception of his struggles. Friends, we make it as a declaration. We begin our prayers by declaring our God is good. He is powerful. He is life bringing. He is for us. He is a father. We begin by declaring his state of hallowedness. But then it's also a petition because here's the reality of the situation. There is a ginormous gap from here to here. Ginormous gap. And so I petition. I'm like, Lord, be hallowed in my heart. Be holy in my heart. Be holy in my actions. Be holy in my words. Be holy in my world. Be a God who as I go and as I live and as I look, I see the holiness of God on display in every place I look. And I am stirred, motivated, reminded, secured, and confident in the reality that you are good, that you are powerful, that you are life-bringing. Let that shape my perception and approach to you every time I pray. You see our God, he cares. And so we come before him open in all our desperation, in all our desperation, in all our honest usness, right? And we remember that he is good and he is powerful and he is life bringing. And that's who we're sitting with when we pray. That's who we're sitting with when we pray. Psalm 100 says this, shout for joy to the Lord. All the earth, worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates. Or in other words, come into his presence, right? Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Wow. Our Father in heaven. Our Father in heaven. Our Father in heaven. Hallowed, holy, amazing, brilliant, beautiful, beyond comprehension is your name. Have you ever noticed that nobody ever needs to be trained to say more, right? Uh, my, my little nephew, Harvey, many in the room know Harvey, a beautiful, he had his second birthday yesterday. It was so cool. We got to go to his birthday party. I thought two-year-old birthday parties would be boring. Turns out they're a lot of fun, right? So we go to his two-year-old birthday party yesterday, and I decided for once I'd be the nice brother, uh, uncle, I guess, and bring a present. And so I brought a present for Harvey, and we go and we give it to him. And here's Harvey's face, right? He's just pottering around. Actually, he's always smiling, so I won't even pretend he smiled, and he wasn't for. But he was smiled. His smile went from like normal smile to, oh my goodness, I'm the most excited human alive smile because he realized that I was going to give him a present. So here, here we go. We, we, we set the present down in front of him and he starts, it's a cardboard box, so he starts, you know, trying to get at it and open it. We didn't wrap it. I'm a terrible person. But he's trying to open it. He's trying to get in it. He's trying to get into that box. And, you know, he can't. Uh, and so my wonderful girlfriend decides to help him. I've walked off at this point because I got bored. And so she's helping him unwrap it, pull all the gift out, put it all together. And he's so excited, except we started something. Because now he realized the presents were for him. 
And so he starts looking around at all the other presents in the room. Next thing I know, I look back, and he's like, present, yikes, present, yikes, present, yikes. And he's just like, he hasn't got a minute to even look at what he's getting. Now, he loves Hot Wheels. Uh, it is his favorite gift in the world, so everybody gets him something Hot Wheels, of course. Uh, and and, and like, he's got this garage. It's like off the ground, probably this high, right? Like, it's high, and it is filled with cars. Do you think he cares? No. You know what he wants? More cars. He's not, he's not even playing about it. He's like, I want more cars. I want the red one. I want the green one. I want the blue one. And he's going for it. He's loving every single gift he gets. He ain't worried about the logistics, the need, the satisfaction. He's got one word on his mind. More. More, more, more. No one needs to be taught the word more, but the phrase thank you. Friends, reflect in your own heart. Boy, I have to reflect in mine. Gratitude? We're so quick to cry out encore, encore, another, another, more, more to the quickness, uh, to the goodness of God that we scarcely ever get a chance to just enjoy who he is and what he's done. He's midway through a miracle in our lives and we've already forgotten our need for that miracle, begging for more. We're the kid unwrapping the present. We're like, Lord God, I need breakthrough. Lord God, I need a miracle. Lord God, come and be present. Lord God, you know, and it's God's just, God's like friends. There's no amount of answered prayers that will satisfy you until you stop and enjoy the ones I'm giving you. Our Father in heaven, holy, holy, holy is your name. Our Father who is actively calling us his children. Our Father who is actively calling me his child. Who's not like any father at all in all the world, but is situated in the wonder of heaven. Our Father who is unique in his goodness, in his life-bringing wonder and in his power. Our Father, when we pray like that, we find the irresistible tendency towards all. Towards all. When we consider the promises he makes to us as a Father, we consider his reality as timeless and expanding beyond the very nature of the universe. When we consider the intrinsic wonder and creation, his power, his wisdom, his life-bringing goodness on display all around us, we, we change the way we pray. That shapes something new. See, starting a prayer right, starting a prayer knowing who we're talking to, it shakes the attitude of our hearts. It shapes the attitude of our hearts as we continue in prayer. See, one of the things I love about the Lord's Prayer is that it's not just a, here's your script. What he does, he says, here's a way of thinking about prayer. Here's Here's a shape of prayer. Here's a way to approach in prayer. Let me teach you what I think of when I pray. And in each line in the Lord's Prayer, each couple of lines, we actually see this different types of prayer coming through it. We see petition, give us this day our daily bread. Forgiveness, Lord, forgive me for my sins. Right? We see different types of prayer. But this opening line is a unique form of prayer. See, it's a call to pray in adoration. A prominent thinker in the church about a century ago, Douglas V. Steer, he says this. In the prayer of adoration, we love God for himself, for his very being, for his radiant joy. See, adoration leads us to a place where we lose ourselves and become lost in him. When we stop being so caught up in, I stop being so caught up in David, but my eyes have transitioned and shifted to get caught up in Jesus, to get caught up in God. See, our God is a beautiful father who actively calls his child. 
Our God is majestic in power. He is set apart in his wonder. He reveals that through our senses all around us every single day. And if you ain't seeing it, that's okay. I ain't going to call you out for it, but I'm going to tell you this right now. God's love is on display to you and to me every single day. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. It's all around us, and we can begin to see it everywhere we look. When the Lord made light, he made it twinkle. He made leaves flutter. He made colors like blue to soothe and orange to warm. He made fire that dances and water to refresh. He made music that moves and words that transform, food that brings joy and birds that sing, the gentle breeze on a summer's day, the sound of laughter among friends, the kindness of a simple touch, the heart-shifting power of an honest prayer. My friends, the fingerprint of love. It's all around us. It's all around us, spread across creation. And we're drinking it in every day as a daily sustenance. But we have to take great caution. We need to come at this with great care. We must make it our mandate to never forget the author of all of this joy. That is the very Father who gave us the ability to experience joy in the first place. Right? We must never forget the image in whom all existence rests. We can't forget that our loving Father created and intended us to feel pleasure, to feel joy, to feel happiness, to feel softness, to feel peace, to feel comfort, to feel life. And he uses all of creation to draw this truth to the forefront. See, our Father in heaven, his name is holy. He is powerful, beautiful, good, life-bringing. And it's not just something we have to make up and say. It's not something we just convince ourselves might be true. What we're called to do is just see its reality. Our Father cares, and he's able to care, and he has displayed this ability to care all around us. See, our Father in heaven, holy is your name, is an invitation to adore a God who is objectively worthy of adoration. Look up to the stars. What do you see at night? Could you make that? Could you do that? God replies to Job, right? Job's here, like, why would you make me suffer? Job went through horrible things. I get that. Why would you make me suffer? God says, hey, where were you when I made the heavens and the earth? E.g., not did you help, not what were you doing. Do you even know where you were? When I was doing all the work to make everything? Can you even locate yourself? Like, think about the stars. Examine the detail in a flower. See how light glimmers and how the oceans move and stop. Our God is worthy of praise. Our God is to be adored. But I get it. Maybe you didn't wake up this morning feel much like adoring. Maybe our hearts have grown hard. Maybe the idea of adoration isn't something we've tailored, isn't something we've learned, isn't something we've, we've created a habit of doing. You didn't wake up this morning caught up in the heavens, considering the cosmos and the universe, the expanse of wonder and creation. You weren't awed by his story or his intangible attributes. I get it. I don't want to be harsh, but hear me. But you did wake up. But you did wake up this morning. 
In fact, and you did make it to church this morning as well, right? What that means is today you've already had ample opportunities to adore him. And not through some weird spiritual labor, getting up and meditating for 25 minutes on how the universe looks or something. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that this, right, by being observant, by choosing softness and slowness, we begin to see the love of God all around us, right? We were wowed by the flutter of that butterfly when we got in our cars. We were moved by that glimmer of light that caught our eye from the sunrise. We were delighted by the taste of our breakfast. We were soothed by the warmth of our shower. We were refreshed by that first breath that we got to have when we woke up this morning. Already today, ample opportunities have come our way uh, to, to, to adore him because ample expressions of God's love for us have presented themselves. Adoration is a spiritual practice. It'll take a lifetime to perfect. But I want to invite us as a church to start today. I want to invite us as a church to pause and to consider who it is we talk to in prayer. Reflect and enjoy him. Richard Foster describes adoration like this. He says, in one sense, adoration is not a special form of prayer. For all true prayers is saturated with it. It is the air in which prayer breathes, the sea in which prayer swims. In another sense, though, it is distinct from other kinds of prayer. For in adoration, we enter the rarefied air of selfless devotion. For in adoration, we enter that rare air of selfless devotion. We ask for nothing but to cherish him. We seek nothing but his exaltation. We focus on nothing but his goodness. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. You know what's crazy? Jesus isn't even mentioned in this verse, in this line. He's not even mentioned, and it totally saturates it. You see, this idea of coming before him, trusting him with our desperation, seeing his hands and his feet and delighting in him, like, like this idea of coming before God and the first thing we do is recognize he can be trusted in our desperate state and that in response to that, we can delight in him. There's a word for that. You ready for the word? The word is repent. See, repentance means our eyes drift from ourselves. They turn and they fall upon a father in radiance. It means we draw away from mindfulness for our situations, our wants, our needs, our obsessions, and we become obsessed with him, God. The issue is we can't. Have you ever tried to repent? Have you ever tried to just like not be caught up in yourself? Have you ever started praying and say, God, I'm really struggling right now. I'm not going to feel it, though. I'm going to ignore the fact that I'm struggling, and I'm only going to focus on you. You know what keeps happening? You keep feeling you struggle. We don't repent and believe effectively on our own. You see, Jesus comes onto the scene, Mark chapter 1, verse 14, and it tells us that his ministry begins with him preaching, repent and believe. And that repeats over and over and over again. It keeps coming through his gospels, through the epistles, the call of the early church, all the way through church history, the continuous call of the church, of the Holy Spirit, has been that his church would become a people who turn from themselves 
and get caught up in him. And it's Jesus. It is Jesus who does that. It is his work. It is his ministry. It is his effective call that we might become a people who lose sight of ourselves in light of our Lord. Today, because Jesus loves us, he makes a way for us. He calls us to liberty from our blindness and into a place of a child under the promises of God as a father. In Jesus' name, by the goodness of Jesus, by the blood of Jesus, by the power of Jesus, I come before you, Father. In Jesus' name, and by his wonder-working power, my eyes are able to relinquish their tight grasp on my meanness, my problems, my situations, and soften in awe of a Father filled with power, filled with love, filled with care, filled with the ability and the wisdom and the strength and the presence to care. In Jesus' name. That's a different sort of prayer. That's a, different, that's, a, that's a Jesus prayer. See, we start a prayer with him in mind. We start a prayer moved by who he is and how wonderful his works are. Friends, today we can become a community of believers that praise more powerful prayers, that prayers are more consumed with God, more in awe of his wonder and of his grace, that open, honest, and actually in relationship with him, that we can pray prayers that are thoroughly different from David talking to his, his, his washing. Prayers that are thoroughly different to being lost in our words, an empty room, or the impressing of other people. We can become a people who pray with a father who is actively saying, come my children, come my child, just sit with me, just get to know me, just see what I've done and who I am. Don't make this, stop, stop overcomplicating. Stop making, just pause, just breathe. I'm going to pray for us. And after we pray, the band's going to sing a song over us. I'm going to invite us to not zone out and think about coffee or lunch. I'm going to invite us for a minute to adore, to internally exercise the ability that God has given us to enjoy him. What did you see this morning? How is that sunrise? Stunning. Maybe you've already seen the ocean and how it glimmers. Or a plant in your house and how beautiful it is. Maybe you experienced relationship. The power of a touch. The kindness of a compliment. Consider this morning how we can adore the God of the universe. Would we start a prayer today by taking the time to consider the person we're talking to? Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much for your love. I thank you so much that this room is not filled with emptiness. It's not filled with, with, with empty cries to an empty room. I thank you so much, my God, that we may be a people in relationship with a God who is a father who loves us, who cares for us. I pray you'd turn our hearts. I pray you'd stir something right now. Re-enliven re re something in our minds of how you've already shown you love us. Come and do something special inside of us as we seek to adore you. And as the spiritual forces that come against you come against us as we try to adore you, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ might we see victory. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ we'll press on anyway. 
that distraction and tiredness and apathy would not be a valid excuse to not adore you in this moment. That uncertainty of where to start or the fear that you might actually move wouldn't be enough to prevent us from considering your goodness and your love. I pray, my Jesus, by the power of your blood, that we would be a confident people in your name. Maybe in this room you don't know that, Jesus. Maybe you've been calling yourself a Christian for 30, 40 years, and you ain't never known that, Jesus, whose love is so rich, who says, no, don't come in perfection, just come to the Father. Don't come in a performance, come as a child. Maybe in this room you ain't never heard of the goodness of God in such a way. Start considering, start talking, open your heart, receive his love. This is not a joke. This is not up for debate. This is the reality of the kingdom of God. God exists, and he cares for you. And he's at work this morning. Let him in. Maybe you believe in him your whole life. Let him stir something today. Holy God, may the spirit fall. May the spirit fall. Jesus, we praise your mighty name.